10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits. Culver is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Coming up, we'll take a look at everything that's happening in the world of A-State athletics. The A-State baseball team in action over the weekend. Have some track and field, some golf, bowling news as well. Also, some changes coming up in the A-State football broadcast. But right now, I want to welcome in a very special guest. In-studio guest from the men's golf team. It's... Fifth year senior from Slovenia, from say your hometown. I was practicing before we started. Uh, I was going to say it, but I kind of chickened out there at the last minute. Almost got it. Uh, Gironica. All right. There you go. Duh. It's not how it looks, but but that's where you're from in Slovenia. (laughs) All that said, it's great to have Luka Naglic in studio. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Just kind of wanted to give you a chance today to tell your story and look i've heard just great things about slovenia just how beautiful of a country it is tell us about the country itself Hang on, you, be, beginning with where the heck is it so the best way to describe it i would say is just kind of northeast of italy if that helps maybe mm-hmm. that's what i usually tell people because that's because everybody's gonna know italy that's from like u.s and stuff so mm-hmm. that's kind of the easiest way to locate it so bordered by italy Yes, sir. D- did you take a lot of trips to Italy growing up? Yeah, we would go on vacation every now and then, maybe go ski or something, because I live only about 45 minutes away from the border, actually, so okay. it's a pretty short trip there. Hmm. Tell us about your family. Uh, I have an older brother. Uh, he's six years older than me, and then I got a mom and dad. I think my mom's uh, 54 and my dad's 59. All right, throwing out ages. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Ages with the, I was going to say, I've got a brother six years older than me, and I've got a mom and dad. They're older than me also. <laughs> so uh, how did golf enter your life? Were your uh, parents golfers? No, my parents don't golf. That's the crazy part. And then my brother actually did play golf in high school. He used to play tennis before that, but we live around 10 minutes away from the golf course. And they were just passing by sometimes, and they would ask my brother if they want he wanted to start to play, and he said yeah. So I kind of got like into it just because my brother was playing as well. How old were you? The first time I went on the golf course, probably three, four years old. I played my first time when I was six years. Hmm. So you said you live 10 minutes from the golf course. Yes, sir. How many golf courses are there? We only have seven golf courses in the whole country with 18 holes. Really? There's probably around another six or seven with nine holes i haven't been keeping up to date with that there's I, I seven do. 18 hole courses in the country yep how many of you, did you play all seven yep so what are they like like compare them to something compare them to even if it's a course around here the nicest course in slovenia is like what the nicest one it's really top level it's probably in the top 100 best golf courses in europe okay uh that's the one where i practice that so i've been very lucky with that and then the other ones, I would say they're probably on a similar level that what we would see here in town, Rich Point, Country Club, and then Sage Meadows, and also JCC. Okay. So, yeah, I had actually kind of researched it before this interview, and I saw where it's listed as 13 golf courses in the entire country. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have a whole lot of 
courses to choose from growing up, but you had one close enough to the house where you're able to play and practice often. Were there other sports you were into? I used to ski and play basketball when I was in primary school as well, but skiing was more, never like so serious. I would just go to kind of like learn the right technique and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then basketball is more of like a, something to do like more cardio in that way. But golf was always my kind of primary focus. All right, so you're 10 minutes from the golf course. You're 45 minutes from the Italian border. If you left your house right now, how many minutes would it take you to be on a ski slope somewhere from your house? 35 minutes. Okay. How big is your hometown? I'm not going to try to say it again. <laughs> I, I gave up on that. I can, I live in a small village, so the village is probably just around like a few hundred people maybe. Oh, but wow. then the town, Jeronica, uh, it's around, I think, 5,000 people. The capital only has 300,000, so... It's a very small place. You had a really dominant run as a young golfer, and I'm going to embarrass mm-hmm. you here. I'm going to read out some of your uh, accomplishments. You were the Slovenian national champion for your age group five straight years. Now, that was kind of high school age, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Three time. Top the, top the field of three. Three. Those t- <laughs> three time winner of the Slovenian International Amateur Junior Championship. But that's. A pretty big deal you know what was it like to have that kind of run of success it was definitely a good time but then we also don't have a whole lot of golfers in our country so it's hard to like see where that stacks up compared to when you go international mm-hmm. but it's definitely like a first stepping stone that you want to be taking on your just road to becoming like if you want to go professional or anything it's just a good startup kind of here's my question to get you get a country with one place is 13 golf courses seven of them have 18 holes so is the nicest one, the biggest one, was there a club pro there to teach you? I mean, how do you learn to play golf? So I had three different uh, professionals or teachers to, to kind of like brought me up. And the first one was a really nice, it was actually a female professional golfer. And she just kind of like, that's when I was still in elementary school, about like third, fourth grade, just kind of to have like, have fun and practice as well. And then kind of when I got more serious, I switched to a different coach and then he kind of guided me through my primary school still and then once i went to high school i switched to another coach and i've been pretty much uh going with him now for the last 10 years probably even when i'm here i still kind of stay in contact we can go back and forth and they're all in slovenia yep you're the slovenia national champion five straight years so you're the best golfer your age in the entire country of slovenia another luca about the same age as you Happened to be the best basketball player Mm. in all of Slovenia. So when did you first hear about Luka Doncic, and how big of a deal is he in Slovenia? So the first time I heard about him, I think it was when I was in high school. He went to high school in Spain, I think, and just played um, basketball there. And then after he, I think like he was there for a couple years, and after he turned 18, 19, he came here to the NBA. So I didn't really hear much about him before that. But now he's a rock star. I mean, I think he lives at one of the golf courses, actually, just like his house is right on the edge of the golf course. Not the one where I'm at, but a different golf course. One of the ones you've played, though, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Played them all. Being named Luca, like being named Mark or Mike over there? I mean, is that a common name? It's a very common name. It's probably the most one of the most popular ones, to be honest with you. So it's all Luca's going around. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I bet with the uh, success of, of the Lucas, you and Luka Doncic, of course, 
I'm sure there's a lot more Lucas on the way. No Probably doubt. Probably in the United States, too. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Lots of, yeah, now there's lots of two-year-old Lucas. All right. You had the success as a young golfer, high school age. When did the uh, thought come around that you wanted to go to the United States to maybe play college golf? Kind of was in the back of my mind once I started high school. Probably maybe like my freshman and sophomore year, not as much. But then junior and senior, I was really kind of like looking forward to it, kind of planning on it, especially because another uh, A-State golfer alumni, Zan Luca, mm-hmm. uh, he's also from Slovenia. And so he was one of the first people to actually go and study in the U.S. and play golf as well from uh, back home. So it's kind of like that's like you knew it was possible and you can get there. So you kind of like start thinking about it more seriously at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at Slovenia's, you know, Zan Luka starting and now Luka over here. The question is like, who's next? We have to have another Red Wolf. There's actually, I think it was three freshmen from back home that like came to the U.S. here. Not in the, Obviously not at A-State, but there one of them is at UTEP. The other one's in Seattle. And then one of them's in South Carolina, I think. So it was actually three freshmen from Slovenia that came to the U.S. this year. Why Arkansas State? Did Zan Luca help in the recruitment process? Zan Luca was like the main reason because he texted me. He was like, Our coach's looking for a new player, this and that, like next year. And he just kind of like put me in touch with Coach Mike, and we went from there. All right. And you guys had a relationship already then, you and Zan Luca. Did y'all play against each other growing up? Yeah. He practiced the same golf course as I did for a couple of years when we were younger. But, I mean, if you play golf with Slovenia, you're going to know pretty much everyone that plays it as well, just because it's such a small number of people. Because like, we all play the same tournament, so you'd be hanging out with all of them and getting to know them. Did you look at any other schools? Did, did you take a visit here to Arkansas State before you committed? I never took a visit here. It's kind of like a quick decision I made, but uh, Coach Hagen actually came to uh, watch me play golf in Spain when we played the European Team Championship, uh, the Junior Championship. So he came there, kind of watched me around for a few days, and then got back to me with an offer, and we're just going to seal the deal there. But I never really talked to any of the other schools, to be honest with you. I want to hear some more stuff about Slovenia, because it's... So, like, you're, 40, you're 45 minutes away from the Italian border, as you said, but what are the foods? Like, what food am I going to get if I go to Slovenia that I'm not getting somewhere else? We do like pasta cause just because we're so close mm-hmm. to Italy, so they kind of like just kind of transfers over the border. But we do have a lot of meat dishes, chvapcici. It's very similar to breakfast sausages here, probably just seasoned a bit different. And you can have different types of meats there, but that's kind of what would be a typical summer if you go and grill like it's here you guys have burgers and uh-huh. steaks and i feel like if we do a grill grill out back home that'd be like we'd have chavapjiji yes for that if we're planning a vacation and i know slovenia has a good amount of tourism mm-hmm. so what do people do what what's the big sites they're going to see when they come to slovenia a big part of it is hiking the area i'm from it's a bit hilly so people are just and there's like beautiful lakes and stuff so and then the other part of the country is kind of famous for underground caves okay and then we also have a, a lot of spelunkers mm-hmm. and then we a part of it's also um seaside but only we have about 30 miles of seashore maybe so it's a very small but popular as well but what's what kind of seashore i mean is it rocky cliffs or is there sand i mean what is it a it, beach? It's, I mean, it's what's the not deal? sand beaches. We got some cliffs a tiny bit, 
most of it's like populated now so it's there's some like made beaches as in just for tourists as well up to what body of water adriatic sea adriatic sea yeah it's mediterranean seas the bigger but then there's kind of ours is in the gulf because then the italy's on the other side so it's called adriatic sea gotcha my geography in this interview today There, there will be there, a quiz at the there end. There is a lot of geography in this. <laughs> so with all that said, you, you decide you're going to come to Arkansas State mm-hmm. after you get the offer. You come here. How much culture shock is there moving from Slovenia halfway across the world to Jonesboro, Arkansas? It is quite a shock. I think the one thing that helped me was obviously having Zan Luca here to kind of help me out. And then at the same time, the town of Jonesboro is not as big as some of the cities in the U.S., Mm-hmm. So it was a bit easy to get around and kind of get familiar with the place because you get kind of get it down pretty quick. It's not that big. Also, everything's so much bigger here. I'll say it that way. Uh, just so many. Like if you go to Walmart, just like thousands of options. If you go anything, just fast food places. There's like so many. Because back home we only have McDonald's. Like if you, we just associate fast food with McDonald's pretty much. Whereas here is like McDonald's, just one of. That's about the only options. fast food option in Slovenia. Uh, we, we got KFC, but I think maybe have one, two KFCs and like a couple Burger Kings. But yeah, McDonald's is the most popular one. All right, you know so. what they've got now in Slovenia? Probably eighty-four Dollar Generals. <laughs> I think as well. Of course, they <laughs> they've do. gone everywhere. All right, since I asked about food from home, what was uh, what's your favorite food you've had here that you'd never had before? I'm a big fan of biscuits and gravy. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one so are that we. We're big fans. me pretty quick. <laughs> Didn't take very long. We promised we'd get around to golf at some point. So five years here mm-hmm. in this Arkansas State program, and we've seen what you as a team under Coach Hagan, you guys have taken some big strides, had some huge accomplishments during your five years here. What's this ride been like for you? It's been a crazy journey. I never thought we'd get as far as we did. Because obviously, like my freshman year, we had, it was probably the best year I've had here. Just because we had probably five wins, I think. We won the conference championship as well. Made right. it to regionals. So there's kind of like a shock. It was like, came there and I was like, oh, we can actually do it. And then second year was the COVID year. So that kind of was cut short. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have my best game. And that was, I feel like I was kind of lucky because it just came, the COVID year came at the right time for me because I, had the time to step back and kind of regroup and get back into it and then my third year it was a very good one as well we just missed out on the match play portion of uh conference but then we made it to regionals as well in the last week or so you guys were down in mississippi mm-hmm. playing in the sunbelt conference tournament and i know not the ending as far as conference play that you wanted, got off to a bad start on the first day, made a heck of a charge mm-hmm. after that, tried to make the match play portion. But at that point, I'm guessing there, there's a big part of you that thought, hey, my collegiate playing time is over. Did you think that last week when you left the golf course? I did. It was just especially the second after the second round. I was like, we got a real good chance. But then I was room with uh, Jack Madden. He's a fifth year as well. So we were kind of talking about it in the hotel room. So this could be our last round tomorrow. And I, kind of, I was thinking about the waking up and going to the golf course. But then once I was out there, I completely forgot about it. It hit me only on the 18th green when we we're done, all done. I was mm-hmm. like, this might be my very very last round as a A State Red Wolf. Well, it's not. Because 
here in the past week, you have been selected just the sixth person in program history to go to the NCAA regionals and represent Arkansas State as an individual first since 2018 that's been able to do it from Arkansas State as an individual. So what did that mean to you, and were you surprised when you found out that that you were going to regionals? I knew I was going to be borderline because I was ranked very similar last year and just missed out by, I think, six, seven spots maybe. And after the rankings update, after right after conference, I was just ranked a bit higher than last year. So I, was, I knew there was a chance, but it's going to be right borderline. So I was widely hoping I was going to go, but you never know until the time comes. So you're headed to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Having played in regionals now as a team, how's that experience going to help you as you tee it up as an individual? It's obviously a bit different playing as an individual because you can still make it to nationals, but you got to be the best player that doesn't go with the team. Yep. So basically, your goal has got to be to win the damn thing and just go all out. So is that from the time you stick a tee in the ground on the first tee? Is that it? Is it like, I mean, we're you're going to f- go at every flag and just, is that so you um, just go, or how do you mean, what's the approach? Just go shot by shot. That's what, one thing I've learned is just do your best in the moment and just try to focus on the shot ahead of you. And then things are just going to fall together and should move up the rankings with that. Coach Hagan's going to be at your side mm-hmm. the entire time. And, yeah, obviously in a team setting, he's moving back and forth. But in this case, he's right there with you the entire time. That's probably going to feel like I'm playing a PGA Tour so I'm just having your own caddy. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> I would say that's that one of the things that's going to, that's going to be an advantage for sure because I'm going to be able to have him by my side the entire time, just use his uh, knowledge and advice, help me out. So I think uh, I got a pretty good chance. So – Here's Mike Hagan, who's come here and done phenomenal things, and like, and he's a young guy, but he's a member of I think three halls of fame already. And it's a conversation he and I have had a lot. So, f- what makes him good? And now he's going to talk about kind of his ability to spot players, because at the end of the day, you want you got to have, you you want to have the best players, but not counting that. Once he gets you here, and you spent these years working with him, what makes Coach Hagan good? Other than the ability to go find good players what makes him successful as a college golf coach i think what makes him successful is motivating the team getting there uh because he always brings in players already like good and know what they need to do to perform so aside from practice is just getting the team ready picking the right lineup and then being there with those with those players at college tournaments and trying to guide them and help them out in the best ways and practice wise i mean Am I right? Kind of everything's a competition. Mm-hmm. You guys compete at something every day, don't you? Yeah, I think that's the best way to get ready for tournaments or just being compete. Because we would have like small like putting competitions, chipping competitions. Like if we go play, we have a point system that kind of runs throughout the whole year, and you would just collect points, and then you get best players get like rewards and stuff. So. That's something to keep us competitive and keep being ready at all times. You're continuing to play, but it's cool for the team as well. They've been selected to go to Arizona for the inaugural Golf Week Golf Invitational that's coming up. And it's, it's right after you're done with playing as an individual at regionals. And I know as we record this, we're still trying to figure out your eligibility and whether or not you're going to be able to be with the team. But I'm sure that 
most of our fans will kind of equate this to going to the NIT as opposed to the NCAA tournament in basketball, which it, it is a very similar comparison. But for the rest of the team to be able to continue to play is pretty neat as well. I do think anytime you get to play an additional tournament or anything, you're just like getting better anyway. So I think that's a great opportunity for the team as well as for the coach just to kind of like continue to postseason as you said and get ready for next year as well kind of to go back to what matt said as we're sitting here recording this they're still kind of waiting for a, a ruling on whether you can play both because there's a rule about you know not competing in more than one postseason event but this is kind of a new deal so it's almost kind of uncharted territory here to know you know whether a person can compete in an NCAA regionals individual and then go play in this event with their team so it's a unique set of circumstances and i know you said there's another golfer from troy kind of in the same boat waiting word whether he gets to compete with his entire a state team again for the record you want to do that right yeah of course no it'd be the last uh college tournament play and then i feel like you want to end up that journey with a team not as an individual it's obviously nice that i go to regionals by myself but then also the last five years has more been about team competition in college golf so especially it'd be nice to finish out so as you look back Four-time all-conference selection. Now three trips to regionals, two with the team, one as an individual. Your stroke average, by the way, this season, fifth best in program history. What are you most proud of when you look back at your career here at A-State? I would say the one thing I'm most proud of is probably the conference title we won my freshman year. Obviously going to postseason is the next best thing I think that could happen to you just as a college athlete in general so those are the two things i'll probably remember the end game here is to keep playing right i mean mm-hmm. that's what you will do for a living i would assume yeah i'm planning i will go back home after our season here's done and then stay amateur for the summer uh we got some great tournaments playing with the national team we're playing the european team championship which is gonna be hosting belgium and then play some other amateur championship throughout uh july and august and then in the fall do q school and then go from there and probably turn professional. So let's just talk golf courses before we get out of here. I got a feeling you played a pretty nice one a couple of days ago, didn't mm-hmm. you? So the seniors, on the, right, the men's and women's golf team seniors with the coaches went and played a lotion. Oh, yep. wow. Okay. How was that? Uh, that was quite an experience. It's probably <laughs> the best experience when it comes to golf I've ever had in my life. Really? Yeah. It's just on a different level. Why? Just the... Uh, whole like hospitality and the experience that comes from the staff and people working there because we played in two foursomes there's a uh, coach mj coach hagan and then two seniors from the men's golf team and four seniors from the women's golf team each group had their own caddy free snacks <laughs> free drinks we had there's a late after nine holes offering us refreshments just like it's a different experience compared to other golf courses you play so set that to the side then even set the the even the course to its side. prior to that kind of what's been your favorite golf course i like dalhousie which we played on our way to ball state two years ago when we went to regional so that's in cape Girardeau, right i think that's right i believe so yeah. uh we just stopped on the way there it wasn't anything it wasn't a competition it was just like a practice trip that uh coach mike got us on so it's one of the nicest golf courses i've seen out here Got a favorite golfer? Is there somebody that you kind of look up to? It's got to be Tiger Woods for me. You're a Tiger guy. Mm-hmm. Just like Bobo here. Yep. He's, he's well, wait, what year guy. were you born? How old are you? 99. You were born I'm in 24. 99? Okay. It was um, a good Tiger year. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I actually got his autograph uh, at one point. So my dad's uh, he works with ski teams. It was back in the day when Tiger was dating Lindsey Vaughn. Uh huh. And so he asked for a favor, and she got his autograph. So I have his autograph in a little like hat back home, just sitting on the shelf. Home, home, or on campus? Home, home. Yeah, I don't blame you. So what's your? Did you get uh, to meet Lindsey Vaughn? No. No. All right. <laughs> That's the next favorite. <laughs> uh, what's your top bucket list golf course then? Okay, and don't say Augusta. I was going to say that. I, know you're going, I knew you were going to. Don't say Augusta. <laughs> Pass I, that. Pebble Beach and St. Andrews. I've played a couple of Lings golf courses, but never St. Andrews. So, How many aces do you have? Two, both here in the U.S. All right, tell me about them. One of them is uh, JCC on hole eight. It was a windy day, rainy day. Uh, we're actually playing a tee box up, so I mean, I hope that still counts, but it was an eight iron. And then the other one was last fall at Rich Point Country Club, hole 15. What are you graduating then? Uh, I did a double major. I did finance and marketing. Well, can- so hang on a second. Let me There's no wrong answer to this, I, mm-hmm. but this is going to show me kind of, I just, this is going to kind of give me some insight to your thought process. You do a finance and marketing double major. Mm hmm. Is that for the job you're doing when you're 50, or is that because you want to know how to work your own finances and you're going to market yourself as a professional golfer? Uh, I would say it's more just about, well, I was good at numbers always, so just I feel like in business, so I was always interested in finance, so that's why I went for it. It wasn't anything related to golf that would help me out as my professional career. It was just something I wanted to have as a backup in case golf wouldn't work out to get a job in finance, banking, something like that. Because as a professional, the first the path you've chosen, the first product you have to market is Myself. Luca Naglich. Yeah. Yep. Can't wait to see how it goes. <laughs> Me too. Luca, congratulations on a fantastic career here at Arkansas State. Congratulations on graduating and good luck coming up in the NCAA regionals and hopefully uh, a whole lot more golf coming up after that. Thank you. That's Luca Naglich joining us here in studio, and we've got more to come here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Baseball team had Old Dominion in town over the weekend. These two teams had never played in baseball before. And look, we had the first ever meeting in football with ODU back during the fall. I remember the men's basketball team had actually met Old Dominion a couple of times before we played them in the conference opener this season. But this was the first time they had met in baseball. The uh, series started with one of the wilder games that (laughs) we can uh, remember, at least in in recent years. Got off to a great start. A-State's leading 7-1 after one inning. And then Old Dominion scores 18 consecutive runs. So, in our TV broadcast, I asked Andy Shatley at one point, going into the second inning, I said, you know, because, I mean, look, this guy, you know, has played so many baseball games and had a 
you know, what a long professional career. So I was like, all right, you've been on both sides of this. So what's the messaging? Either if you're the team up six or down six after one. And he said, well, to me, if you're the team down six, the message is you just don't look at the scoreboard. There's never, he says, there's never a reason in baseball to look at the scoreboard unless it's a late game, a close game late, and you got to do some situational stuff. He said, past that, there is never a reason to look at the scoreboard. And then the thing I noticed is that even in that second inning, down 7-1, you flew halfway across the country and you're down 7-1 after an inning, the dugout making all the racket, even in the second inning, was the Old Dominion dugout. Mm -hmm. And you can just kind of get the sense right away, they're not phased by this. And they just started hitting. Old Dominion did get up 19-7 at one point. Now, to the Red Wolves' credit, they kept fighting. They scored four in the eighth. Brandon Hager with a grand slam and... By the way, that was the fourth consecutive game that Brandon Hager had homered in. I know Caleb Garner went back the next morning and looked to see the last time that that happened. Well, he went all the way back to 2005, and there wasn't an instance that he found where an A-State player had four consecutive games with a home run. And I know we've had several times where it's happened three consecutive games, but Four straight games with a homer for Hager, and then three more runs in the ninth, and ends up being a nineteen fourteen game. He's good. So we had two seven zero runs sandwiching an eighteen zero run <laughs> in the middle from Old Dominion. It was wild. And <laughs> combined thirty three runs, thirty hits. There were sixteen pitchers used, eight for each team, twenty three free bases. That is what is frustrating in a game like that. Both teams issued double-digit free bases, and I'm talking about walks and HBPs. And it added up to a three-hour, 55-minute game. By and the way, guess what else number? I mean, this is the kind of, in all those numbers, this is when it gets overlooked. A combined 19 guys left on base. Old Dominion scored 19 <laughs> runs and stranded 13. <laughs> we can talk about it because, you know, we've seen a lot of baseball games you and I were both on our respective calls during this game. That's one of the more miserable games that, that you have to yeah. go through as a broadcaster with, with not only all the runs, but the pitching changes, the free bases, everything like that. The only thing I can compare it to, here in the last five years or so, Coastal Carolina was in town. I remember in that game there were 30 combined walks, which were the most in an NCAA Division I game since 1995. And we ended up losing the game 26-14. to 14. I think it went four and a half hours. That was more miserable than Friday night. Yeah. But this one was uh, a tough one to have to broadcast. And I know, look, A-State put up some runs late, and you know, Brandon Hager hit a grand slam and for this fourth straight game and all this and that. But th this is a great example to why, you know, I suspect, and I haven't had a conversation with this about a coach one, but I would suspect history tells us that the Sun Belt would follow suit to the rule change the SEC just made this season where every conference game has a run rule. And I think that would be a good thing. The SEC has implemented it already, so – you know, a lot of the times the SEC, whether it be replay review, anything like that, they've kind of led the way and other conferences have followed. And look, we'll see if, if that happens in the Sun Belt next year. I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't either. if there's a run rule in every conference game next year. Because it would have come into play here and everybody could have saved a little pitching and saved a lot of time. And 
obviously we spent a lot of time talking about it with all the gaudy numbers put up, but I don't know that anybody who sat through that toward the last, the later stages was having a lot of fun. So it made me even more excited about the next day because after the shootout on Friday, you look down at the pitching matchup and you've got two of the top three earned run averages in the Sun Belt going head to head. And honestly, I was excited about this game even before Friday night, but even more so after Friday, thinking, oh, we could have a nice pitcher's duel and be a nice quick game, certainly under three hours and 55 minutes, which was what Friday was. But it was a, a great pitcher's duel. And Sam Armstrong, the starter for Old Dominion, he had come in with the third best ERA in the league. Kyler Carmack, who we've talked about at length this year, the outstanding uh, redshirt freshman for the Red Bulls, was second in the league in ERA. Now, Kyler gives up an unearned run in the first. He gave up just one earned run after that, ends up going five innings, didn't walk anybody, struck out seven. Arlen Butts comes in after that. He goes four good innings, gives up just one earned run, but couldn't get the bats going, and for good reason. Old Dominion, yeah. again, had two very good pitchers that uh, that were on the bump, and we end up losing 3 nothing. Two things. First of all, Hager got hit, right? Did he get hit by a pitch? I believe so, yeah. So he got on base. Yeah, he's reached base now in 30... Maybe even be 35, I think. The streak is definitely still alive, and... It's the longest on-base streak for a Red Wolf since Zach George ended his career with that incredible 55-game streak back in 2015. And the other thing I want to say about Saturdays, I've had a couple different people ask me along the way, I said, well, how come they haven't moved Carmack to Friday night? And I said, well, I said, they're, they're very mindful that he's still a young pitcher, and there was no point that they wanted to shorten his week by day to get him moved up. You know, they, they like him where he's at. Well, it really doesn't matter. He's ended up in the Friday night game the last – Two weeks, right? It'd be low scoring. You know, at Southern Miss, pitched well yep. enough to win and got 4-1 and now here. So he's pitching the Friday night game no matter what day of the week it's fallen on the last that, couple That's a weeks. good point. He's run up against two really, really good pitchers and gotten one run of support. After the two losses to begin the series, it was good to see the Red Wolves bounce back and win Sunday, able to salvage a game in the series. Kind of a freaky deal at the very start of the game. Oh Tyler Jeans making his first start since the conference opener in Lafayette back in mid-March. And he lasted all of seven pitches. He got a couple of quick outs to begin things. I think a strikeout and a fly ball to left to begin things. And then I had never seen this before, but... and. I don't even know because I asked Tommy Raffo right after the game. I said, how did this happen? He said, well, he's going to have to go back and look closer at the video. But apparently, Tyler cut his thumb and it started bleeding when it hit his cleat. And I don't know if it was on his follow-through, reaching down for a ball, what. But he somehow cut his thumb open. They couldn't get the, the bleeding to stop, and he had to exit the ball game. <laughs> it's just never heard of that no neither had i not even hadn't seen it just never heard of that he leaves the game jake algy comes in he goes two and a third after that and really the best story on the mound sunday was bryce shares he was a junior college closer actually led all of juco closers last year in saves and has seen a little bit more time lately but he was fantastic he goes three and a third gives up no runs no hits he ends up getting his first win as a red wolf and a couple of cool moments in this game tied at two and the sixth the red wolves take the lead for good on something you don't see very often alan greer hits one to the warning track in center 
It's caught, but two runs score on the sack fly. Cody Darcy tags and scores from third, but you've got Braden Kasky, who's a very good base runner mm-hmm. at second. And he comes all the way around, and you could tell he was thinking about scoring the entire way, and he's able to come in and slide safely at home. <laughs> that puts you up 4-2. to two. That was a huge moment in the ball game, And again, the Red Wolves never trailed again. And then the other cool moment, a sixth spot in the eighth inning, but Cross Jumper, who's come so close so many times to hitting a home run this year, and he's had such a nice season as yes, a redshirt freshman. The Jonesboro kid has become the everyday left fielder, but he hits his first home run, and it happens to be a grand slam. You weren't able to call the game. I know you were <laughs> attending graduation this weekend, but Will Oswalt was on the call for the ESPN Plus broadcast. Want to play it here? Yeah, sure thing. All right, here we go. Here's a fly ball. Left field. Going back. Going back to the wall. You can get that baby out of here. The big banana grand slam cross jumper. The big banana. So Friday night, it was the only game of the series I called. You know, Our oldest graduated from Jonesboro High School over the weekend. And we had stuff involved with that for Saturday and Sunday. Andy Shatley's daughter is also in that class. So he was going to be out Saturday as well. So mm-hmm. we knew we had Mitch Mathis in the analyst chair Saturday and Andy back for Sunday. And when the Friday night game ended, you know, Mitch was there and he came up to the booth and we were talking about it. And I just said, get ready, boys. <laughs> You're getting ready to call game seven. <laughs> it is game seven. Anytime our man wills. And on I, the mic. I mean, it. As a compliment, because sure. I, I mean, I, I like to do a lot of things. Like in my mind, I really, really, really like to play golf. And I'm not good at it, but gosh, do I love playing it. And I don't know that I like playing golf any more than Will Oswalt likes calling the ball game. And we love calling ball games, you and I. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, I don't know if I like anything as much as he likes calling the ball game. <laughs> well, Will had fun on that call. And great to have him call a A-State win on Sunday. I enjoyed it as well. Bryce Shares gets his first win. Jacob Conover, his second save of the year. We'll talk about their week ahead coming up in a little bit. Meanwhile, uh, track and field, final meet before this week's outdoor championships. And it was just three pole vaulters that went to the Ward Haylett Invitational in Manhattan, Kansas. And the three pole vaulters that went, all finished in the top five. Lauren Beauchamp finishing second. Bella Caschetti finishing third. And Avery Shell finishing in fifth place. Women's golf news. Zane Wright has joined the staff as an assistant coach for MJ Dabian Shaw. Mm-hmm. And Zane Wright actually spent the last five years as the head coach of both the men's and women's programs at Williams Baptist and was the Conference Coach of the Year last yeah, I mean, they, year. They won a conference title. They had the individual medalist on the men's side. He's a local guy. A lot of people around here know Zane, know his family. I do question sometimes. MJ's going to keep pretty tight watch on kind of his uh, evaluation of talent. So here's a little story for you. <laughs> and, and it's a true one. A couple of years ago, at different times, but my wife and I each got fitted for new golf clubs. Mm-hmm. I did earlier in the year and then a little bit later – she did one as she's back in the back at uh, we'll, we'll mention we'll give a shout out to brooks golf she's back there doing her 
fitting and it's a really really cool process because you're on the track man and all this and that but they've got all these different shafts and club heads all the, they can just screw them together and it's mix and match to try to see which clubs you hit best yeah zane wright comes in something was said jokingly and i don't even know it was to zane at the time we just talked about my wife having college eligibility remaining he watched her hit about three balls and legit not kidding left his phone number he starts like putting the recruiting pitch on. Well, you know, if you really do, you really want to go back to school. You know, Williams, we, we get, you get all the gear, and we get balls, we get to practice here. Like he was legit. He was ready to sign my forty-year-old at the time wife to come play on the women's golf team. Now, here's the the, the kind of where I can tell the, the self-deprecating truth of this story, and every word of this story is true. She gets her fitting that day, and in about three swings, a college golf coach essentially offers her a spot on his team. Uh-huh. I get my new clubs picked up, and I take them to a driving range. And after about three swings, an old guy gets out of his car to come walking up and offer me swing tips. <laughs> it just took three swings. Yeah, huh? so in each case, it took about three swings. Uh, well, take that as a compliment for your wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so women's golf news. Uh, obviously, uh, great to see Zane Wright join the staff. And in bowling news, of course, coming off that national runner-up finish in Las Vegas, Brooklyn Buchanan, former guest of the podcast, named first-team All-Southland Conference. Emma Stoll, uh, named to the second team. Maggie Toma, named to the third team. Toma also named to the All-Rookie team in the Southland Conference, along with Carly Van Dynan. Yeah, again, we're a game away from the national title and didn't have a senior in the lineup that day. Yeah, all those names have a chance to come back. We'll uh, take another time out, be back to wrap things up right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Taking a look ahead now, the A-State baseball team playing their final midweek game of the season coming up Tuesday night. Little Rock's in town. Six o'clock, first pitch against the Trojans. You know, they were scheduled to play a couple of weeks ago in Little Rock, but that game ended up being canceled. So this is the one and only meeting with the Trojans this year. Last $2 Tuesday of the season. All right. So if you're listening to this before first pitch, uh, I can tell you the, the $2 item is going to be ice cream bars. Nice. $2 right. tickets, $2 ice cream bars. And, uh, you know, they've got a lot of local kids on their roster, too, to this area. So I'm sure it'll uh, be a, a good crowd out there for that one. And then the Red Wolves make their final road trip of the season coming up this weekend, Friday at 5, Saturday at 2, and Sunday at noon as they play at Appalachian State. And they've got a beautiful setup there at App. And if you've never seen a picture of the stadium, the overhead shot of the Appalachian State baseball stadium, Google it because it is, especially when the trees turn in the fall, Yeah. when you go to campus and you've been to the football stadium before, that's a nice setting. It's, it's still kind of towards the bottom of campus, bottom of the mountain. You go all the way to the top for the baseball stadium and you keep driving up that mountain and there at the top is the baseball stadium and some of the more picturesque baseball 
stadium pictures you'll ever mm. see are of their baseball they field. They got elevation so. sign there at the baseball stadium? I can tell you it's higher than 3333, yeah. which is what they have listed at their football and basketball hey, By the way, that's, a, uh, that's just a strategic marketing ploy, not even from a marketing standpoint. They only put that sign up there to maybe get – if one opponent somewhere along the way in some sport thinks – the elevation can affect them, then that sign has served its purpose. Because in truth, I don't know that 33-33 affects anybody. That's where the Red Wolves will be this weekend in baseball. The track and field teams, they're going to be uh, at Myrtle Beach. They'll be competing in the Sunbelt Conference Outdoor Championships, trying to collect some more jewelry as Coach Patchell looks to add on to his conference. 24 Sunbelt titles. Goodness gracious. Maybe he'll add some more conference coach of the year honors, which he's currently at 18. 18 of those, yeah. But uh, that's coming up Thursday through Saturday in Myrtle Beach. It's hard to just go to a conference meet and just assume you're going to win. So I really try to slow my roll and not think that. But it's, I'll say it, it's certainly hard to not imagine that no matter what, the Red Bulls be right in the middle of that thing. Another thing we wanted to mention here is our buddy, our Good pal, Philip Butterfield, putting it out on social media this past week that uh, he is uh, not coming back as the color analyst on our football broadcast this year. And I knew this was coming. He, he didn't just put it on social media without... He didn't just make it Facebook official. Without uh, letting us know first. I will tell you that uh, couldn't be prouder of Philip. He, he's doing really well in his job at Stevens and uh, you know, he's just working his way up the ladder really quick. And, you know, we had sat down back in January and he tried to break up with us then, (laughs) but I said, Philip, hold on, let's see how, you know, everything works out. Let's wait till early May and uh, see what your job responsibilities are. And then he received another promotion a few weeks ago. And I said, Oh, that's it. (laughs) He's out of here. There, there's there's no way that uh, he can juggle yeah. all of this. And then, you know, I think I was driving back from uh, wherever we were. From Southern, Southern Miss. Yep. And uh, he gave me the call then. And, and I said, well, I knew that was coming. So I am so appreciative of everything he put into it. He's one of those guys that uh, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it all the way. And did a wonderful job as uh, our color analyst the last couple of years. To your point, yeah, I had even, and even though Jerry Scott wasn't listening or forgot I told him, I had mentioned to him a couple weeks back, hey, this is going to happen sooner than later. And I didn't know if it was this season or not, but just trying to make sure he knew that this will happen. And because of the thing you mentioned, obviously about the job he's done at his day job. Mm -hmm. And then two, I don't know he and Brittany's business, but sometime or no, they're still young. At some point, if they start a family, that's a whole game changer in itself. And also mindful of the fact that, do I think Philip Butterfield enjoyed calling those football games? Absolutely. Oh, he loved it. But where they are out of Central Arkansas, that's 12 road games. At some point, half the season, you know, you and I, in whatever job we're doing, when we walk out of the stadium, we get in the car and we drive across town to the house. He had 12 road games. And, and a lot of those, you think about those flights home that land at who knows what time, and we're, we got to get from Memphis to Jonesboro. He's got to get from Memphis to Little Rock. So, I mean, all those are kind of real things that can grind on you. So I get it. It's, I know that this decision had little to nothing to do with the calling of the game. 
which he, I know he enjoyed and he had become quite good at. But the thing about that is I also appreciate, as a broadcaster, what I appreciate is the notion that Philip Butterfield never thought he could sit down in a chair and start broadcasting. And there are a lot of people that think they can, and he was not one of them. That's a really good point. When we brought him in, he was the guy we wanted. He was you the and number I, one You pick. and I had multiple conversations about who we wanted. Philip Butterfield was at the top of the list. So we got Philip. Philip was all in. And I remember him coming to fall workouts year before last, his first season. He would watch. He'd prepare, get to know the team. We went through a couple of run-throughs. He wasn't able to just jump in there and do it. He went back. He listened. Yeah, he wanted to, to it, himself. It recorded. He, yeah, y'all called some, uh, you know, a fall scrimmage, and, and he wanted to record it and go back and listen to it. And he did. And he went back. And after those two scrimmages, we were wondering, okay, will we be ready in time for the first game? And then the first game comes along, and he just kills it. And he was he was so prepared at that point because he worked so hard. So going to miss Philip, but uh, we totally understand. What yep. else we need to talk about? Oh, I think it's about it. I mean, I just, uh, you know, shout out to the big quitter, Philip Butterfield, and <laughs> the nosy old guy who thought he'd get out of his car and waddle up there and tell me how to fix my golf swing. Yeah. They both can go jump in the creek. Both those guys can. We'll see if uh, <laughs> your wife has a scholarship offer yeah, to A-State anytime say, soon. I, she wanted me to go ask MJ if, you know, if Zane's offer carries over now. Can she... They got to have somebody replace Olivia Schmidt. That's right. Thanks uh, again to our buddy Luca Naglich. He uh, was a lot of fun to visit with. Enjoyed that interview very much. Thanks as well to Mark Taylor for setting that up for us. For everyone that's been a part of this one, for Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.